0: For me, like, I think the prevention and education is so important because if you don't address that, and if you don't address the education, then the next generation of Johns who are considerably younger is being groomed, and they are going to be the new demand that drives that, you know, business economics supply demand curve way up because the demand for sex is going to increase as people are consuming pornography, you know, and it's just, it is just, you know, math. And so for me, like, I think that's where
1: my heart is. It's like, you know, I want to time travel. Hey listeners, welcome to Unseen the Trafficked Truth Podcast. I'm your host, Victoria Rowland. You're going to get to hear true sex trafficking crime stories. These are stories that maybe never made the to headlines, maybe they weren't believed, and you're going to get to hear from survivors themselves tell the truths of sex trafficking. Join us and remember, listener discretion is advised. We understand the
0: the greatness about our community, and we know the struggles of our community. And I think that that is something to be excited for when we can come together and share stories like ours and be a voice for those who need us.
1: You are worthy, you know, and you are. You're precious, you know, you're beautiful. And in spite of what you're going through of what you've gone through, it does not determine who you are going to be in the future. It's just being able to tell my story to that one person who can relate or that one person who believes me. All that mess you went through, there's a message in that, there. And there's a message of hope and transparency and freedom for somebody else. There's no greater agony than bearing an untold story inside you. Your freedom is in your mouth and it's the key to somebody else's
0: chains. You matter, and your story matters always. You're you're taking the voices of the unheard and you're
1: letting them be heard in a very safe space. Hi. Hey, sorry, I keep trying to... I'm messing with stuff I shouldn't be messing with. No, no,
0: it's all good. Can you hear me all right?
1: How, yes. How long have you been waiting? Oh, I'm no, no, so no, sorry. No, 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 no,
0: no, no, no. Don't worry about it. Don't worry oh, about okay, it. I, okay. I just like okay. prepared my stuff. I just wanted to make sure everything was good. So I haven't. Don't even. Don't even worry. I just like set it up earlier. Went into the thing to make sure the mic was sounding okay. I'm so honored. I was like poking my head around in, in Clubhouse and trying to find some good <laughs> communities, and you just happened to be mm-hmm. the first anti-human trafficking group that I went into. And I just, I, when you were talking, I was like really encouraged and inspired. And I think, you know, to your point, as you were messaging me, I think it's really important for people of color um, yes. and for, for males and females. But I, I like, yes. I think a lot of what we're going to talk about today is how I feel like, you know, the misogyny, the machismo, as I call mm-hmm. it in, in Spanish mm-hmm. and in Mexico City, like that is something that, you know, on on the daily, uh, us, us guys have to... We got to, you know, we have to get in the trenches yes. and we got to address it. So I'm yes.
1: on Yes, you know, I, I I think that there's so much that I'd like to do with you in the future if you would give me the honor, yeah, because sure. I think what I'm hearing and I'm getting chills is the fact that you have so much confidence in your voice. You might not think that it's confidence, but it's where you're not in that shame mm-hmm. and guilt anymore. Yeah. And you are willing to put this out and you're willing to take that seat at the table <laughs> if it's given to you and I want to give yeah. it to you. So we're going to link up and, you know, this might be in the right listeners ears yeah. and it might take you further than I even project. So no, I'm
0: just honored. as we
1: set this stage, yeah, as we set this stage, man, just give it us, give us all of Paul <laughs> in this context. Yeah. So. Yeah. What I'd like to do is definitely we, everyone that's listening, we kind of been on this pre like movement of we're going to talk and address pornography period. And I haven't been in the realm of, ready or willing to talk about this because obviously I'm more in the anti-trafficking movement for the advocates and the survivors or warriors and overcomers those however that they're in their journey but as you are an advocate as well this is an area that I think that those that are brave and courageous enough to talk about it I want to hear you talk even just to like me, little old me, if it doesn't touch anyone else, okay. it will touch me. And I've been doing advocacy work in this movement for 15, almost 20 wow. years. I just don't want to tell my age, you know what I mean? But <laughs> so and I and I've <laughs> and I've been in so many different arenas where I get full-on disclosures. Mm. And some of them include pornography. Mm. And I want to reach out to people that I can connect them with, but that's been very few so yeah this this is it this is it Paul. we're gonna talk about it here we go let's do it
0: my name is paul Uh, i live in california (laughs) and 27 years old and i started i was exposed to like pornography for the first time uh, when I was 13 years old for that, you know, just like curious little puberty boy, you know, like, you know, maybe my mom or my sister, like they had like, you know, fashion magazines or something. So I was like, I'm curious, you know, look here or whatever. But when I was 13, my family relocated from the San Fernando Valley to San Diego. And so we were in temporary housing for a little bit and we were looking for a place to stay. And, um while my mom was checking out this one apartment, I was with her, and everything was out of this apartment, except um, as I was like snooping around, exploring the rooms, trying to see which one I wanted, um I found this stack of magazines, very like concealed and like I think there were like data sheets and like analytics on the outside of these magazines. So I grabbed one and opened it, and it was it was basically the 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 data sheets were covering the pornography and it was like these hardcore pornography magazines and we live in a pretty sex saturated culture but it's also interesting cuz in american culture nudity and stuff is not as um it's more of like the you know, very suggestive and almost revealing. But unlike other cultures, maybe like European cultures where nudity is more normalized, here's not really. And so as a young child looking at that, um, I was just more in shock and kind of disgust in a sense where I was like, Oh, like, I feel like I shouldn't be looking at this. And I don't want this is. And another important thing is, you know, I grew up in church. So there's like the whole moralistic side as well. And so I like looked at it a little bit, but then and I like snuck it back to the apartment we were staying at. And I remember like feeling so guilty. So I just like threw them away. But that was just the beginning. And basically that year I started high school and I we got like a family laptop. And I quickly discovered how to delete, um, <laughs> to delete your web history. And so I basically started searching things up. And you know, I started consuming at like age thirteen or fourteen. Um, it was very quickly, yeah.
1: huh? It happened exactly.
0: Very that initial disgust like wore off pretty fast because of curiosity, and you know, you pair mm-hmm. that with you know, masturbation and stuff, and then you have a drug.
1: So, Paul, I had a question just so that we, so I don't forget this. So you brought up the comment about, you know, you're moralistic. Mm -hmm. And in that context, I wanted to ask a few things. You had the upbringing in the church Mm -hmm. and also... You relocated, but I do want to address the fact that your last name is Ho, (laughs) H-O. Indeed. So does that have anything to do with your background and upbringing? Yeah, so yeah, um, I've always
0: kind of felt out of place. Like you said, last name is Ho. Ho is actually a Vietnamese last name, but apparently when my grandparents were coming over and they were fleeing from the communists, um, it's actually a mispronouncement. Pronunciation a misspelling, and so it's actually supposed to be H E. Um, so I'm Chinese, uh, but when I grow uh, when I grew up, I was I was living in the valley, and um, I was also homeschooled. That's also important. I was homeschooled until high school, um, so I was very sheltered, um, and my only my biggest outlet was basically um, church. And I was one of maybe two token Asian families there. And so that definitely played a big part into, you know, just the social circles I ran with. And as I was growing up, and in high school, when I moved to San Diego, there was actually a lot more Asians where I, I lived, and when I went to school. And so that was actually quite a shock for me, being, you know, 13, 14 years old. And then all of a sudden, there are these people who look like me. Like I'm not just you know one in fifty, and so. Um, but to address the the church piece, I think, you know, I've had a very contentious relationship. I think with the church, I uh, went to a non denominational church uh, for a long time. It was a part of my life for a really long time. And then when I graduated from college, I went from you know leading a small group and you know doing Bible studies and going to church all the time to just not going at all. And a lot of that is deeply personal, you know, it's just traveling from church to church. You see a lot of stuff that goes on behind closed doors. And there's a lot of politics and mishandling of money. And you know, right now on the news, you know, there's a lot of sexual misconduct. And there's ministries which are being called out because they were basically, you know, gaslighting survivors of, you know, horrendous, horrendous abuse. And and these people are, you know, the champions of the faith or what have you. And so, um, you know, we can talk about purity culture, we could talk about how that affects young people, we can talk about how in the church, they'll talk about tithing an exorbitant amount of times and how you should give to the church and like, that's how, you know, it is. Or we could talk about how, you know, it's all hush hush when, you know, you're talking about like addiction or you're talking about sex or you're talking about pornography, how those things aren't addressed. Um, but yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think that's going to be a part two, (laughs) because (laughs) how was the non-denominational church welcomed into your life and how come it kind of just dropped off? Yeah. So
0: like I said, like I, I basically grew up into it. And so my parents were heavily involved and, but even at a young age, I think my mom specifically, she really modeled some like really good deconstructive kind of mentalities in terms of not just ignoring what happened, you know? And I think that's a huge problem in the church today is that there's these glaring issues and, you know, we use scapegoats and excuses and people aren't perfect, you know, we're all sinners. And then it just, you know, everything gets swept under the rug. And it's like this grace mercy thing. And I think the most horrendous part is that we we gaslight and disregard survivors or people who come forth, survivors who have allegations or, you know, are being brave and 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 trying to address certain issues that are occurring within the church. And sometimes they're just kind of, uh sometimes what am i talking about most of the time the majority of the time they're just ignored and you bring up a great point about you know the church and the lgbtq plus community and how there isn't like what that has to change there has to be you know this you know it's it just you know when you look at the american church a lot of times it just it just seems like flat out hypocrisy right but I'd love to dialogue about that. We could talk for hours on that. Um, but
1: but, but <laughs> All right. um,
0: I, I think faith is a, like like you said, and like you were talking about, like faith is a huge part of my journey. And I definitely believe in God. But I think that it's great that we're having this interview now because I think a lot of things have changed for me. And I think- I, I approach pornography and just you know my struggle with it and what I'm trying to do with it from a a very different standpoint now. It's uh, I want everyone who listens um, for the for the survivors who are listening, but maybe for the people who are also struggling who are listening. I, I just want them to know that there's hope. And sometimes the church, well, a lot of times the church perpetuates this guilt and shame mentality, and it's like. The, if you struggle with it, don't talk about it. And if you, you know, and and that is no way to address an issue or, or a problem or a need um, that we have. Maybe we have a need for community or a companionship. You know, we're we're running from something. We're we're numbing something. And and the whole concept that oh, you just shouldn't do it because it's bad or it's sin or whatever is just not. It's not effective. It helps no one. And. You're also, you know, complicit, and basically feeding a lot of these. You just look. At, you just look at the news any day. Like they. Like I am no better than anyone Every else. Every day, yeah, right? And, right. And I think right. I, I just want to make that abundantly clear. I'm not shading anyone who, you know. But I'm just saying that by not acknowledging pornography, by not acknowledging the issues and 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 human trafficking and how a lot of times the church environment. High stress and high guilt and shame, it's fostering an environment which is allowing people in power to abuse it. And we have to have a discussion about that.
1: Absolutely. Thank yep. you. And bringing into the influences that they have, mm-hmm. you talked a little bit about those certain influences actually enabling you to make really bad choices. Mm-hmm. And when people say the environment or people say the people around you, I can't imagine that you felt sort of alone in yeah. this. And yeah. yeah.
0: So I think loneliness and feeling alone or like the oddball is a huge part of my story. And I think uh, it's just really interesting. You know, right now it's 2021 clubhouse has been out for a couple of months and clubhouse has been a huge encouragement because it's shortened the time and the distance and the the difficulty in meeting people who are like-minded or passionate about the same things. And I think social media is at its, not its peak, but there's, you know, it's, it's all everywhere. We live in a saturated world of social media. And I think as a young person growing up, especially, you know, like we've talked about before, growing up in church and feeling like, oh, you have to be this moral standard. So let me just hide this compulsive, addictive porn habit I have to the side here. And back when I was a kid, or when I was a kid, um, you know, like, it it wasn't even super common, you know, nowadays, it's like, kids are showing each other pornography videos during recess or whatever. And like, that's a big, you know, exposure point. But back when I was doing it, internet porn was still relatively new. And so for me, it was just like the secret thing. And I have many issues with the culture in general, but, you know, you go to church and it's Mm -hmm. like, you know, how are you doing? And, you know, it's like, Oh, it's fine. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they'll split up the genders and, and then it's Mm -hmm. like, you know, the guys are meeting together. Oh, what do you struggle with? And it's Mm -hmm. just this very, very vague, Mm -hmm. you know, Oh, like I'm prideful or I struggle with lust. Right. And nobody's Mm -hmm. naming anything. Everybody knows the elephant is in the room and nobody, (laughs) you know, and if you say it, it's not like, you know what man, me too. It's like this whole like, oh, like let's pray for you. Let's pray for our brother who's like, you know, and and I think that's really harmful because, you know, a lot of my young childhood was just spent thinking, crap, just like you said, like I am the oddball. Like I I shouldn't be this. Like, you know, as president of the Christian club in high school, I was leading small groups in college, and I remember like having a conversation with my college pastor before I was going to lead and I said, yo, Like, I got to tell you something, like, I've been struggling with pornography for years. And I was like, and if you don't want me to lead anymore, that's fine. But I just, I can't, you know, and and back then, you know, like, you can kind of see how the tone is still like very legalistic, very moralistic. And he was one of my first allies. I remember the first thing he did was he hugged me. And he said, you're not alone. And you're not disqualified from whatever. And that for me was like, really, really ah, oh, redemptive healing, um, it was just the beginning of the recovery process, I think, or if even that was the beginning, um, that might still be like the the prelude, you know, <laughs> but,
1: but I think that,
0: um, yeah, it, it is really damaging. I think that the, by choosing to stay silent, and by choosing to pretend or not acknowledge that there is an issue, the church is really complicit in a lot of what is happening. One of the things i'm passionate about is education of the harmful effects of pornography uh, especially on young and developing people and one of the things that i hope to do and i have no idea how to get there but i want to incorporate you know a segment of education and like american health classes um we you know we talk about drugs we talk about safe sex you know we talk about you know like all the street names of different drugs but we don't talk about pornography And we kind of talk about consent, but even that is kind of like an afterthought, you know, versus like these other topics. And I think it's really important to have those conversations and to talk about them. Because, you know, back in the day, I feel like a big argument was, my child's a good child. They're not going to find that stuff. They're not going to look for that stuff. And that was a really half-assed, like, response to that. Nowadays, there's still some parents who are saying that. And mm, of, you, know, <laughs> you know, one of the things that um, fight the new drug, which is that organization, um
1: yes, uh, would consider yes. before
0: consuming. One of the things they say is, you know, it's not if your kids watch porn, it's when. Mm-hmm. And, and you either have that uncomfortable conversation with your child talking to them about in, in in gory detail about what it is and how it's a false depiction and how it's you know it's produced. Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm their friend is going to show them or they're going to stumble across it, you know, while playing, you know, Minecraft or, you know, something else. So absolutely. I think there's been different, different iterations of my recovery process. And I think right now Mm -hmm. the biggest emphasis and the push is for my own personal health, but also because Yes. I think we have a really great opportunity. You know, when we talk about human trafficking, right? I think of it yes. in terms yes. of targeting human trafficking, there's like the prevention side, mm-hmm. the intervention yep. side, and like the restoration side, right? And so yes. prevention yes. has, you know, education. And that mm-hmm. can both be educating potential future Johns, as well as people who might mm-hmm. be taken advantage of and and bought mm-hmm. or sold and, and et cetera, right? Intervention is like mm-hmm. you go in, you're working in the red light districts, you're providing services, you're, you know, you know, you're, you're, you're serving mm-hmm. at that level. And the restoration is like mm-hmm. the rehabilitation. And I think rehabilitation has this very like strong pull. like lots of people really want the, the restoration or like the intervention, you know, <laughs> like, let's, let's, let's break mm-hmm. in. Let's, let's, you know, mm-hmm. let's free everyone. Absolutely. It's like, Oh, like, hop on a hop on a theory. And then like, let's aim for the you know, the head, right? And it's like, Mm -hmm. that's great. And there is a space for for different people and different organizations to target Mm -hmm. the, we we all are needed. That's what I'm trying to say. But I think for me, like, I think the prevention and education is so important because if you don't address that, And if you don't address the education, then the next generation of Johns who are considerably younger is being groomed. Mm -hmm. And they are going to Mm -hmm. be the new demand that drives that, Mm -hmm. you know, business economics supply demand curve way up because the demand for sex is going to increase as people are consuming pornography. Absolutely. It is just, you know, math. And so for me, like, I think that's where my heart is. It's like, I want to time travel. Uh, I had an interesting experience on Clubhouse the other day where um, I was sharing my story a little bit about how I was 13 and then like, they're like, okay, thanks. And it wasn't really to the speed of that group, you know? And they were like, they were like, you know, let's target these like high up people and like, let's take it down. Absolutely. And, and I love that. I love the passion. I love the vigor, right? But I was like, okay, like that didn't really hit. And then um, this lady DM'd me and she was like, you know, I have a 13 year old. And she was like, what would you tell yourself? Right. And mm. and I thought that that was beautiful. Um, and, and, yes. and it's not to glorify myself at all, but it's like right. man, if I had the opportunity to go back in time and tell yes. myself Yes. And, and that's kind of been like the motto of the last, you know, couple of weeks has been like what if i'm a time traveler but the time traveling is just a little different than what mm-hmm. we would normally think like what if i could find a stage where i could go back in time and tell people not you know not your parent or mm-hmm. some you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. pastor or some school speaker who's going but like literally just a young person who's like just mm-hmm. a couple years older you know and it's just like yo like mm-hmm. I don't think, maybe they haven't told you about this, but this is what this can do to you. And this is what it did to me. And this is what it robbed me of. And this is how I'm Mm -hmm. still trying to recover. You are free to make your own decision, but this is something you should know. Um, But yeah. So what did you tell her?
1: So what did you, what, what, yes, yes.
0: (laughs) So I basically was, um, I kind of told her my whole story, right? And so uh, earlier I was talking about how I was like 13, was exposed to pornography for the Mm -hmm. first time. Mm -hmm. Um, When I went into college, um, I started as an electrical engineer because that's kind of- um, Oh, wow. (laughs) Started, (laughs) a keyword. Uh, um, (laughs) I started as an electrical engineer and um, that was something that kind of, you know, like my parents wanted me to do, you know, there's some money there. And um, I tried really hard the first quarter, did not do well. Um, and mm-hmm. so after that I started spiraling because even though I was trying, it wasn't really working out for me. So I started consuming pornography hours every day. Okay. And it got really bad. Um, like at one point there was like a, you know, like I was in like a chat room and then somebody like recorded and then blackmailed and oh then it was crazy. Goodness. So we can talk about that too later.
1: Um, yeah yeah yeah. it was
0: just it was bad right and so um i just remember like one of the worst memories i have associated with pornography was came home from a summer class it's like 3 p.m i started consuming at like 3 p.m and the sun sets and you know the screens lit up on my face and i'm watching 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 and i look over and the sun is rising Okay? And wow. I am spent, like I'm exhausted, like I'm like maybe like, I don't know, so close to death, you know, and the sun's coming <laughs> up, and I go to sleep. And that was just like the worst, you know, 24 hours, whatever yeah. I ever had. And I remember realizing like, this is a huge problem. And, you know, mm. I didn't really know what to do. And, um, right. but you're just trying to realistically right. push through it and be like, okay, like I shouldn't do this. This is someone's sister. This is someone's mom, you know, you know, like, you know, like, mm. you know the, all,
1: all, all that, that stuff starts to come yeah, in. Exactly. Right.
0: And I mean, my issue was like, you know, I, I, like I said, I'm 27. That was when I was 13. So it's mm-hmm. been 14 years. I would say I've taken the recovery process very seriously in the last maybe a year and great. a half. But up until right. then, I mean, it was just, You try, you can maybe get off Mm -hmm. of it for a week or something, and then you're back on Mm -hmm. it. And it's just like this, wow, you failed. And, you know, well, Mm -hmm. the day shot, the week shot, the month shot, I guess you're just, you're stuck here.
1: And- Yeah. It's such a tab, it's such a taboo topic that I want to go back to the, because you you will do this, Paul. You said you you don't know how you're going to do it, but you (laughs) will do it. And just like you told me about Clubhouse and how much- like connections are made, even with you and I right now, I can see you doing something that's sort of low barrier because we don't need to have that. Oh, this is so great. This is so high up. You're like freaking CEO of like another type of organization, like fighting the new drug. No, we need the smaller grassroots organizations because you need that. You don't need those walls to go through. Like you need to be able to have a, A youth, a minor, which I don't know, you know, like you said, we don't know how to do it necessarily at this moment, but we need to be able to have something, a resource that these youths can just like talk to you. And it doesn't have to be like a major crisis. It could be like a simple question. If it's not in the schools, if it's not in the healthcare realm, if it's not in the spiritual realm, it has to be where it's just accessible and public. Just like when we had our first movements with everything from LGBTQ plus to domestic violence to now anti-trafficking we need resources that are like I just want to tell somebody that like I saw this or I'm watching it and it's like 24 hours or whatever can you just talk to me because it's not going to be a freaking savior moment at that moment we all know that not when it's dv not when it's a, an addiction not when it's trafficking yeah. not when it's sexual abuse and assault it has it's a time there has to be a journey and steps to achieve this and you could just be that first initial step that low barrier yeah. like you can connect with me i'll connect you to this because it's we're we're not going to get that in schools like i already know i, I don't know how finding a new drug is even Able to push through because I can imagine yeah. what they've had to tear yeah. down to get to where they yeah. are, and it's and I don't want that to defeat anyone, especially you <laughs> with this initiative you yeah. have. You do you have a great initiative, yeah. and I
0: think you know you you really latch onto something like that's so important, and it's the the fact of low barrier, you know, and mm-hmm. it's and I think that was something I was realizing too because I was like, oh, I want to push this in education. And I was like, I have no idea how to do mm-hmm. that, and <laughs> the great thing is like social media and the internet mm-hmm. while it can be used for so many devious terrible terrible things it also gives mm-hmm. us an extreme platform where you know we can you know have these discussions like you know with certain mm-hmm. apps or whatever it might be where if if exactly. we can find a way to engage with the culture and the mm-hmm. youth, whether it be via TikTok or Clubhouse or whatever mm-hmm. it might be, we can start to open up these conversations and have the conversations, yes. the uncomfortable conversations, you know, just like your podcast, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the uncomfortable yeah. conversations <laughs> that maybe our, you know, our parents or our religious leaders or the people we looked up to didn't have with us. And we can, in a sense, time travel.
1: Hey, listeners, taking a quick break here. But as we are talking about commercial sexual exploitation of children, one of the many, many ways that this is occurring continually is through social media, through texting, through gaming. These digital predators are attacking our young people. And I say that to get you all Informed and reminded that there are devices now in 2020 that assist us in preventing this exploitation. I talked about it before, but check out Gab Wireless. So, you listeners who just want to see how you can help and prevent this from happening or affecting your young people in your life, check out this phone. The most important thing is that there's no internet browsers, there's no social media apps allowed to be even downloaded. So check it out, go to their website, use our promo code. The link is in the show notes. Remember when all that stuff came out with all the kids recording different sex acts and then blackmailing them and like um, bullying them? And and it's like, that didn't disappear. It's just people stopped talking about it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, because we don't <laughs> we don't want to address the uncomfortable truth that because of our unwillingness to have uncomfortable conversations with our children and the youth that we're enabling like this kind of this kind of culture. Right. Know, I I I read this heartbreaking story of this like teenage boy, right? Maybe in elementary school, and he was curious and he was online and someone recorded him and threatened to reveal this video
1: mm. and
0: he didn't know what to do. And he committed suicide. Okay. (gasps) And I mean, that just goes to show the amount of stigma and shame. And I'm not, Mm -hmm. you know, trying to dramatize and like, you know, whatever. But I think, yeah. But this is a true true story. story. Like, you know, I think it's really important that a lot of times we'll use Facebook because I'm friends with some people who are parents. And I, 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 you know, I post some controversial things. And one of them was just like, talk to your kids. This was during when COVID had hit and quarantine hit. I said, parents, talk to your kids about sex and pornography and like sextortion like talk to them about what it mm-hmm. is because if you don't you know like because like you mm-hmm. cannot fault children i mean mm-hmm. we, yeah, they're mm-hmm.
1: they're developing yeah. you know yeah. you can't you can't and i know that there's um So there's a shout out to Girl Circle because there is Boy Circles too, but Girl Circle Foundation has those, you know, group activities that I bought the entire curriculum for the shelter. So they come in like little binders Mm -hmm. and, you know, some of them is healthy relationships and mother and daughter, and they just came out with a new Mm -hmm. one that was sex in a digital age. Mm. So I told my boss, um, I'm buying that and I will lead that group because I don't care. I've, I've talked to kids, you know, like the harm reduction type of model, what they say is like condoms. And if they're going to go have sex, you know, people don't even want to have sex, talk with condoms. And I'm like showing a girl how to put on a condom on a banana. And it was like, don't you ever do that. And I'm like, well, I'm sorry that this youth is 17 years old. And you didn't know how many partners she's told me she's been with and she's never." Used or opened or looked at a condom. Yeah, Yeah. and this sex in a digital age binder had so much good stuff that there was so much YouTube content of teens talking about what they saw when when they were exposed. The average, I think, and you know the statistics. The average of them first seeing pornography is like eleven. Yeah, and or something like that. The estimates
0: say eleven, but a lot of people think it could be sooner, like as early as nine or eight. This is a story which is too common. And we're just, we, as a society, we've ignored it. You know, it's just like this concept where, you know, mm-hmm. they, they've they said mm-hmm. that um, that uh, specifically like pedophiles will use pornography to groom potential mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Um, victim survivors, victims, survivors, right? Mm-hmm. And and, mm-hmm. and in that same regard, pornography can be used as, as a normalization of sexual behavior. And so when exactly. you have, you know, young boys or young girls who are, watching pornography, and then they don't really know Mm -hmm. what they're feeling. And then like, okay, there's maybe attraction to this other person, I'm going to show it to them too. And then like you said, the curiosity kicks in. And I just think, you know, it's, it's crazy. It's a wild world we live in. But now with technology and everything, um, I don't think the <laughs> the answer is more policing. <laughs> I think the answer is more community and more communication.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And you talked about it. You have a Facebook group. You have. So let's get into because I'm going to already try to put in all of your information to like find you, which doesn't mean we're ending the conversation (laughs) because I know you said you have a Facebook group, but I wanted to talk because we are talking about your wonderful blog, (laughs) but I think your title is porn is most definitely problematic.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. So the blog title is problematic. And I think I started writing openly about my struggle with pornography maybe a year and a half ago. And I like mentioned it in passing mm. really quietly on one blog. And then this was at the same time as I was getting educated on it from type the new drug and, you know, we're, you know, talking about it in therapy and stuff. And so I just started getting louder and louder and louder. And, um, That's amazing. That blog was like the not the pinnacle, but it was like this big step where I was basically just addressing it for what it was. And in that, I talk about the recovery process and what it took for me to kind of get to that point. At one point, I was in a workplace, a short term workplace for like two weeks. And this guy, he assaulted me. So he was like, um, forcing contact with me for like several days. And then one day, while I was like, you know, taking out the trash, and then I was like in this like enclosed space, comes around the corner. It's like hidden from the rest of the store. He just like reach, like puts both hands on my chest in a super overtly sexual way. Looks at me really mm. like weirdly. And I like, throw his arms off, and I'm like, "Get your hands off me!" And he's like, "Oh, sorry, got the wrong idea, right?" And you know, I'm I'm just like shook up, and but you know, this is, like the it's like the first time. This has ever happened to me, right? And so, mm-hmm. you know, I think about reporting him, but then I'm like, you know, no one's gonna believe me. Like,
1: yeah. and, mm. and, and I think, you know, I, very yes, common. I know, yeah. and,
0: and 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 I think, like, as terrible as it was, I think, and 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 it it, com- it does not compare to what many people have gone mm-hmm. through. But I think mm-hmm. that interaction was really important for me, and I'll explain why because. That look that he had, I didn't, I kind of talked about it to a few people and forgot about it for a year or two. And then I was processing it again because in therapy, you know, we're really targeting, okay, well, what's the cause here? Is it loneliness? Like, why am I watching porn all the time? Why can't I seem to, you know, get off the habit? And we're like just processing different things. And I started processing this again. And I realized that the look that he gave me as he was like groping me, right, was a look that I was not unfamiliar with. And that was disturbing to me because I was like, why am I, why am I familiar with this look? And it reminds me of just the animalistic and like objectifying way I look at my phone screen when I'm consuming pornography. And as we're talking about how long I had been watching pornography and stuff. And an important thing to know is, you know, I had two sisters. Like I said, I was homeschooled, grew up in a religious house. I have four girl cousins. I've always gotten along better with girls, right? And so I'm able to hold conversations. I wasn't a super awkward homeschooled kid. I was just able to carry conversations with just about anybody, regardless of age and stuff. And so I was always pretty happy about that. Um, But I think for me, like, you know, I I, I would see myself as this person who's like pretty well, like integrated into society. And like, you know, I'm like, you know, I, I can read situations, read body language from both guys and girls, right? And over the years, my ability to do so decreased dramatically. Uh, My ability to just sit and empathize began to decrease. And as people, you know, I would have friends who are female who are like talking or whatever. All of a sudden, I was having weird thoughts about like, oh, are they flirting with me? Like, what's going on here? Like, and I started getting all kinds of confused. And the line between fantasy and what I was consuming versus real life began to blur. And um, You know, I like to play video games. And one of the ways I describe it is last year during the quarantine, I turned to video games as a coping mechanism, not the worst one. Um, But, you know, I was playing a lot of Call of Duty and, you know, it's like a shooting game and you're in war. And so sometimes if you look into the distance, you'll see like a a little glint. And if you see the glint, that means someone is aiming at you and they're like trying to snipe you. And, you know, I was playing hours of this game every week. And I remember driving in real life to work. And seeing a glint off a bridge. And I almost like freaked out and swerved the car. And I was like, oh, there's a sniper. And then I was like, ah, that's so dumb. Like, I'm driving in real life. There is no sniper here. That is, you know, that it's just I'm spending so much time in that, you know. And that is what I really relate to, like, consuming pornography, especially in extreme amounts. Like, I didn't, you know, I'm like, wow. we're talking yeah. upwards of multiple hours every day. I mean, wow. you are... You're conditioning yourself, you're, you're training yourself to when you look at, you know, a normal binge for me or whatever, you know, you're watching so many videos. What are you training yourself to do? You're training yourself to see someone. And you're not, you're not seeing them to empathize with them. them. You're not even seeing them to know them. You're seeing them as in like, I wonder what you look like without clothes on or, or oh. what this person is going to do to you or what I'm, you know, like, and, and it, mm-hmm. it, it screws with your mind, man, it, it, it changes how you view the world. And, and beyond just like the social cultural impacts of what that might have on you and your communities, it does a number on yourself. Like I have struggled with anxiety and depression. And so mm-hmm. much of that is mm-hmm. due to dopamine and endorphin abuse. You're sitting there watching pornography and you know, like masturbating, like ridiculously. Then you're you're tricking your body into releasing this dopamine in unhealthy levels, and everything in life begins to lose its spark, you know. And because you're you're just abusing the system, and it does a number on you. And so, I I can't remember exactly where I was going with this, but um, suffice it to say, I think. yes okay so is that look right so a lot of yes so a lot of yes, times you know yes i love analogies so i apologize so many analogies mm-hmm. but you know sometimes no. you're on instagram right and i was talking to my sisters yeah. about this the other day and you see a food video right so you see a grilled cheese sandwich mm-hmm. and they're cooking it mm-hmm. they, when oh, they say food parents, oh yes oh, yes. oh, oh my yes. god so you know there's that grilled cheese sandwich it looks really good there's five different cheeses they just chopped it in half they're pulling it apart you see that cheese pull and your mouth salivates You know, And the way you're Mm -hmm. looking at your screen, it's not how you look at a loved one. It's how you look at an object to consume. Like, I want to eat that sandwich. Like, I want it, right? And and Mm -hmm. that look is the, the closest thing, like the closest analogy that I can find to how it looked like when that guy looked at me and what it looks like when I'm looking at pornography. And the biggest warning sign for that is when you're looking at something like that, You've stripped it. You've dehumanized it. You, you, dehumanized yeah, you do it. not wow. see it as a person. It,
1: is an, it is an object
0: to act oh upon. Goodness. And that is such a dangerous, dangerous place to be. And I think for me, that was like the straw that broke the camel's back because, yes, mm-hmm. there are bad health benefits. And yes, I don't mm-hmm. like, I, I have a heart for people who are surviving human trafficking. This is contradictory mm-hmm. to like my life goals mm-hmm. and my mm-hmm. convictions. Right. But then the biggest mm-hmm. thing was, dude, I don't want to be driven by this, you know, like, we were talking about, like, you know, like, extortion and all this stuff, like, I don't want to be out of control. I don't, you know, I, I always tell people, like, do you think that people walk to the altar? And Mm. they're thinking in their head as they exchange their vows, like, this is going to end in divorce, I'm going to leave my partner because I want to be with just random people you know like like, and Mm -hmm, this is not shade mm -hmm. to them right but it's just saying Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. is anyone's end goal to just be something where exactly to just be driven Mm -hmm. by out of control like you know cravings and stuff and i I don't think the answer is yes
1: no and and you know you you brought up a good point about the The being an object, because we see that a lot in human trafficking, literally it could, you know, transfer into labor trafficking, organ trafficking. And it's literally the premise is that these are no longer Mm -hmm. humans. They are objects, not just like an addictive drug for consumption. Mm -hmm. It is for the 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 assault or the the what is it the need that that person Mm -hmm. that is buying them needs? That's all it is. What is this for me so that I can get what I need to get? And it sucks to say it that way in layman's terms, but that's how you felt. And sometimes you need that personal experience. And that's why in that group on Clubhouse, the anti-trafficking movement, that's why you were Mm. there because you are an advocate. You are an ally. You are working and talking amongst survivors. You've survived your own thing Mm. and it doesn't take away from Why we care about this so much. It is because sometimes it takes that moment for you to realize like there's something greater in this message or that I experienced or that something is what I need to work on for myself is this. And that experience that I read, not only did you just tell us, but when I read it in your blog, it was that moment that I even saw that you felt something that a lot of us. Feel yeah. and you not only were human, but you wanted to humanize yeah. others. And that means just so yeah. much. It does because you can't be in this work and you can't do what you're doing mm. when people say, Oh, you never been through what I've been through. It's not about being yeah. or going through something that I went yeah. through, it's what you went through yeah. that have you have this realization that. How I was impacted yeah. is not necessarily why I'm doing this. It's because I was impacted yeah. that I want to do something. If that makes any sense. It freaking does make sense.
0: sense. You <laughs> articulated it so well. I'm like over here, like pulling analogies out of hats and like jumping from thing to thing. And you're like, so what you're saying is exactly.
1: no, 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 <laughs> no. No, 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 no. I'm just saying, thank you. I'm an analogy person too. Why isn't there some form of regulation with this, just like we do for tobacco and alcohol? and tell us about yeah. this, like, and what can we do? Like you're right, yeah. So after tobacco
0: went big and then it turned out there were all these side effects, they had they were forced, right, by government to basically mitigate and be make full disclosure of what the potential side effects are, right? And tobacco releases these ads now, right? But people are already addicted to it, so it's like, you know, <laughs> this is great. It's a great ad, but this is not, you know, it's raising awareness, but it's it's a little like afterthought. And I think, as we've talked through my story and everything, I think one of my big things is uh, uh, one of the reasons why I'm just such a big advocate for the education and and, and I say anti porn, but it's not that i have any shame or any beef with people who are in the industry and like who are doing this you know some i don't i don't know your life story i don't know what's going on and i if you made that decision like i don't believe that i should be the person to tell you what decisions to make you know for your life you should have the freedom to choose but i do think that for people who are not adults were unable to make decisions for themselves, right? We have a parent-guardian relationship for a reason. And I think it's really necessary that, especially because porn is like, it's basically international waters right now. You know, like there's there's nothing on it. Just recently, exactly. a New York Times author wrote a scathing thing yes. on how, you know, yes. right? And, and, and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, Visa and MasterCard were like, okay, we're not gonna allow our cards <laughs> to be used to exactly you know to purchase and then and then it was like okay uh now we're gonna you know and then now the courts are involved in Canada and now they're saying okay we need to address this right and uh, you know we we care about it right and it's like obviously if it takes that much effort to just move the needle like a tiny amount and I'm so glad I'm so thankful for that Mm -hmm. right but it's like you know how do you stop the people who are on Pornhub to jump to another thing right and so I think like you know. I'm not exactly sure. You ask a question and I wish I was yeah. the expert,
1: but yeah, I no, okay. but I think I think like but you're bringing up the conversation, exactly. Paul. That's what <laughs> exactly. matters. You're bringing up the conversation. And and with you saying that, I literally am just about to send you, and co- because this makes sense. You might not follow them because it's the National Center on Sexual Exploitation. Oh, cool, cool, cool. Okay. They're a, a great agency in um, Washington, okay. D.C. But the article just says that they have uh, the lawsuit against MindGeek. Yes. So it's going to be amazing that these... And, and just like you said, it's it shows that you worked alongside human trafficking survivors in this sort of anti-porn movement yeah. when you really didn't think that you would. Yeah. But this leading organization on, you know, sexual exploitation, sex trafficking, human trafficking is trying to. Yeah you know shut down Pornhub. Yeah. period like literally yeah. literally yeah. And
0: it's like it's it's crazy too because like you know you hear a lot of defense and it's like oh like you know if people are consenting and i agree if people are consenting that's great the problem with pornography is you have no idea generally speaking right and i love another thing i love a little thing about me is i love film and i'm an aspiring filmmaker i've been practicing writing and everything and one day i'd like to write Short oh my films, gosh, yeah, awesome. you know, Yay. and I'd, I'd love to, you know, do documentaries and and the whole thing is, you know, when you're in the video audio world, you learn that what people see and what you put out is very different than what you captured. You know, and what goes on behind the scenes, you have no idea. There's a whole crew there. And pornography is no exception. And, you know, one of my, I think the biggest thing I had with a lot of these porn sites is there's these unverified users, unverified videos. A lot of these are, you know, people who like these videos were made in, in confidence, or these videos were made without someone knowing. I've heard stories of like Airbnb, like shady stuff happened where there were cameras and then they release oh the goodness. stuff, you know, and, and it's like, dude, like, and, you know, the, the, the people who are in these, you know, and non-consenting, they'll contact Pornhub or contact these different organizations and be like, hey, can you take this down? This is not supposed to be here. And dead silence, radio silence, right? But then when Visa and MasterCard is like, okay, we're going to take this away, like we're not going to be a part of this anymore, all of a sudden, we deleted 60% of our videos, which were unverified, right? And overnight... Okay, Mm -hmm, Which goes to show mm -hmm. that they do have the power to do that. They're just being complicit in the proliferation of whether it's whatever, you know, non consensual behavior involving minors, regular people, whatever it might be. And I just think, you know, there's such, we have such an opportunity to not necessarily jump on the cancel these websites. And because you're not Mm addressing the demand mm -hmm. of that, you're addressing the supply. And that's good. That's part of it. But there's too many people who are already consuming. And so we have to bring awareness. We have to bring education and we have to do it in a loving, gracious, empathetic way, you know? And I think my struggles and my recovery has kind of given me the opportunity to experience that. And so I feel like, you know, that's where I come from. And I think we live in a jacked up world, but the the future is bright. There is hope. And I think if there is a message that I hope gets communicated, to the podcast it's I'm not here to judge anyone I'm not here to shame anyone my mm-hmm. own journey is mm-hmm. is full of missteps and choices mm-hmm. that I wish I didn't make but mm-hmm. recovery is possible even if you feel like you've you've tried and you just you're stuck on this drug and you can't get off of it you know I it's February I did no porn November last year which was like for the nice. month you just don't watch porn and like it was the first time ever that I hadn't watched porn in like 30 days right wow and Right now, like at the start of the year, I hit up like two of my friends, one guy, one girl who we did No Porn November together. And I was like, hey, do you guys want to do something like, um, and so this is going to be an interesting idea, right? And it's kind of weird. But I was like, well, you want to do like a a graded scale for the next year. So not a No Porn for the year, but we basically calculate in Grace slash space for mistakes for us. So why don't we go from maybe that's maybe great. consuming pornography eighty to ninety percent of the days of the year and go to like ten percent of the year? So that's so then amazing. it's like okay, three hundred sixty-five days. You have about three days per mm-hmm. month where you have a cheat day, mm-hmm. right? And if you use it, that's mm-hmm. okay. But if not, then like you don't have to, right? And you know, I expanded that net out. I I. I you know, cause I've been so vocal. And then what happens is when you are vulnerable and you share and it's uncomfortable and you're sweating and you're afraid that you're going to be rejected by your peers. All of a sudden people are like, Oh, I actually struggle too. I just never said anything. And that's okay. Then you can call those allies in and it's like, let's do this together. And so
1: that's amazing. I email a group Paul. of us,
0: like I blind carbon copy everyone, except people who don't want to be anonymous. And then I send them emails to like resources. Like we do dumb things, you know, we're just like, Hey, like sometimes you know you wake up and like you like it's been part of your compulsive habit to view porn, but sometimes you don't actually need to. You just like need to go do something like brush your teeth or take a shit or something, you yeah. know, like, you know, like or, or or things like you know. Hey, like what a fucking <laughs> awesome community you have! Yeah. And so it's, it's cool. It's been so helpful. Like you know, January like it was three days, and in February we've been chilling so far, you know. And it's and yes. and and I think for me, like you know, I'm a big proponent for personal health and. You know, Mm -hmm. I think that if anyone is like, you know, porn's not really an issue and, you know, I'm not addicted and it's okay. I'm not shaming you, but I challenge you as the listener, if that is you, why don't you take a break from porn or do this? Separate the time between consumption and stretch out that time as long as you can. Like try and wait like a week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, a month, a couple months in between exposure. And just tell me how your life changes and 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 tell me like does life seem better uh, is your dopamine release like any different do activities that you mm. used to do for fun or positive coping mechanisms like running and stuff do they feel better to mm. you is life more vivid that's my that's my challenge because i really think that the research and What it does for you, if you start to gamify and experiment with getting off pornography, it it sells itself. Because then what happens is when you're not on it and you're not in that, you know, there's like, you know, internet speech for Mm -hmm. like, oh, like post porn guilt or whatever, right? And that's, it takes you to Mm -hmm. a different place. Well, when you're not under that, all of a sudden, you you're like, wow, what exactly? Why did I do this? You know, it's not, it's not mm-hmm. necessarily that the urges mm-hmm. are always gone and you're just like, Oh, like cold Turkey. Like if anything, I think cold Turkey is a poor, um, not poor. It's just not effective for everyone because not mm-hmm. everyone can mm-hmm. just do that. Mm-hmm. And some people feel like they're a failure if they, if they have a setback.
1: Yeah. And so It's just like, just like in working out or trying to lose weight, I mean, and, and, or just, you know, just like any other drug or, you know, alcoholism and like, you know, again, back to that low barrier. Like, I love this. You have this support, even if it's just that one or two buddies of yours, it's like, it doesn't need to be a whole freaking hundred plus community, but, you know, I will tell you, you will have now a a greater community. (laughs) So while we're talking about this recovery and while you're giving us these challenges to try to complete within ourselves and, you know, do this, how can we find you and let (laughs) you know how this is working? You know, and then this is an awesome time to kind of plug in the, the folks that or the organizations that really helped while you were in this recovery and being able to be in a space where you can think of something like this like this is great
0: (laughs) well thank you again like just for (laughs) you're so nice you know you're like (laughs) talking me up i feel so special
1: Uh, you are special paul like this is so no this is so real to me because you know i can't imagine the the like you said the vulnerability that you You know, you have to literally consume on a base on a daily basis, even when you're reaching out to folks to like, hey, try no porn February, (laughs) like you know what I mean? Like, I wouldn't even know how that would leave my (laughs) mouth, you know what I mean? So, and now you're just like able to just say it with so much of confidence not even confidence, it is gratitude. You're like, thank you for giving me the opportunity to give you a challenge. That means you trust me. That means you want to do this with me. Yeah, I was, uh, uh, I'll I'll talk about
0: my blog and my, my different handles, but um, I was talking with my friend and I was like really excited because you had contacted me and I said, "Um, I love the words you chose. And you said, you're a male person (laughs) of color and you're (laughs) anti-porn. And you're like, we need your voice. And I told my friend, I was like, I just felt so special. I was like, well, like I didn't think about it that way. But anyways, so I blog, and uh, my blog is called A Life Intentionally Lived. I can provide the link. Uh, it is also generally linked in my Instagram. My Instagram handle is Life Appalling. If you would like to contact me or talk to me or ask me any questions about pornography or growing up in church or whatever, um, I'm pretty open book. So you can just find me. It's Life Appalling, A P A U L L I N G, because I like puns. Um, and i'm on clubhouse (laughs) you know that's how we met and i'm very glad and thankful for that Uh, i'm on facebook but i don't Mm. really use facebook as much anymore um so Mm. you know i'm trying to get hipping with it but other than that i'm not uh i don't have as much of a footprint as before i had a twitter but i was like i don't know why i have this i don't really use it i don't know how to use it (laughs) (laughs) i don't have tiktok or anything but um, but i love writing and if it encourages you or anything That is my goal. The vision statement for the blog is just that somebody would read it and through what I'm writing about that I'm struggling with or have struggled with or Mm -hmm. as I process through it, that it would just encourage someone and give someone hope. In terms of organizations that have really like been so awesome and amazing to me, Mm -hmm. um, Fight the New Drug is an organization that uh, educates people. They're non-legislative, non-religious and... And they provide um, education on the harmful effects of pornography. And they have so many resources they have a three-part documentary. They have a podcast called Consider Before Consuming, which is actually where I nice. started my personal um, education recovery process. Um, wow. They also have little guides on their site um, for, um, how to talk about porn with your partner or with your kids or with your spouse, or they, you know, they have little guides, um, they have merch you can wear. So I really, I'm not getting paid for this, (laughs) but I love, I love my friends at fight the new drug. That's amazing. Um, They gave me an opportunity last year to share my story in like a little five minute interview. And so, That's really cool. That is also, um, it's. I think it's one of my highlights on Instagram, but you can also find it, um, build Instagram, fight the new drug. I also recommend therapy. Now, therapy is something that's complicated because it is like in many ways a luxury good and it that needs to change. But I highly, highly recommend uh, therapy and not even just like like, you know, oh, like therapy for sex addicts, just therapy in general. I think everyone has a lot of trauma. It doesn't matter where you've come from. Like I struggled for a long time with thinking I just didn't have any trauma. Um, I, you know, I don't know why I am the way I am. Why am I so messed up if like nothing super crazy happened to me, like compared to my friends or other people I know. And the truth of the matter is uh, therapy is not for crazy people. It's for the average person. The normal person, you know, who has the ability to go see a doctor, um, will go to get a checkup just to make sure that everything is okay. And you generally will work out or eat a certain way to watch your physical health. Why is that not the same for mental health? Why is there a stigma? And so I'm a huge <laughs> mental health advocate. I think there's this, you know, like I said before, the stigma that only the sick. Or the mentally unwell need to go to therapy, and that is absolute bullshit. I'm sorry if I'm not mm-hmm. allowed to curse. Um, <laughs> no, you are. Sorry, I already dropped some bombs on here. No, that's so. no, okay. I think I said I think I said shit at one point too. Um, but 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 you know. Um, I highly, highly recommend that Psychology Today is not a magazine. I thought it was a magazine, but Psychology Today is a website. If you go there, you can type in your address or your zip code, and it will it will pull up like a Yelp list of different therapists who are in your area, and you can search according to healthcare provider um, by rate, by you know ethnicity. And so I have this great you know therapist who's also Asian, That's so I relate amazing. to her, and it's just like yes. really helpful, but. Um, highly recommend those. I think a big thing is if you're like me and you grew up in like a religious background, you need to distance yourself from the religious teachings of why you shouldn't watch porn and like it's bad or it's sin or whatever. Mm -hmm. I think what you have to do is everybody's different, so it's not going to work for everyone, but I think education is a huge part. And if you don't Mm -hmm. know where to begin, start with that podcast the the podcasts are like 30 minutes maybe an hour and it's all these different Perfect. people celebrities like terry cruz is on there marisol nichols nice. from riverdale's on there then you have wow. they the new york times author they have ex-actresses who are there human trafficking survivors like there's this awesome girl coco berthman she's like a human trafficking survivor actually you have a previous guest who was also on there jose alvaro he was yes, on there alvaro, okay. yes yes yeah. so Dude, it is an amazing resource because what happens is you're no longer listening to someone who's like guilting you or trying to tell you like, mm-hmm. oh, you shouldn't watch porn like, because it's bad. You're listening to people mm-hmm. who are in the trench. Like there's academics, there's people who are doing studies, you know, so there's people providing mm-hmm. data, people providing, you know, experience of I was a survivor and this is how I was treated and how I was objectified. You have people who are, I am an ex-addict addict, and I am trying to recover and like, piece back together my family, or, you know, the family was forever broken because of that. And this is where I am. And this is how I'm trying to recover. You have all these different stories. Oh, I'm like a young person, you know, and I I have no, you know, I just have my social media. And like, there's no accolades I have, but I'm on here. And it's like, it's so encouraging, because then it's no longer a private struggle. And you're being educated, and you're learning about it. And as you learn, and as you begin to question these, maybe more normal narratives that people have said, like, Oh, yeah, Porn is just natural, or it's normal, or you know, it's if it's consenting, then it's fine. And then you start to ask yourself the question: like, how do you know if this is consensual? How do you know how this was sourced? Is this ethical? I don't know. Is this real? Like, am I and what I is what I'm watching? Like, did the people who put it on there are they the same people who are in it? And are the people who are in it okay with people watching it? You know, it 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 changes it changes how you think about things in a non guilt shame way. But it starts to make you like, wow, like, you know, and you can, you can, there's just so much to learn. But anyways, um, yeah. So yes. fight the new drug plug. Gotta go for that. <laughs> That's yeah. amazing.
1: Yes, yes. Consider before consuming. Yes. That is through fight the new drug. You did excellent. <laughs> um, I can see, you know, a smaller kind of entity, you leading um, in this. But I also can't thank you enough. With those plugs, um, I remember you and I talked about, um, I'm going to mispronounce okay. it, but I'm going to uh, try. We talked about, you might plug El Pozo oh, de yes. Vida. Thank you so much. Thank you so <laughs> much. That was like the
0: goal. Okay, so El Pozo de Vida <laughs> is this uh, anti-human trafficking organization that I worked with in Mexico City. Um, I was I just graduated from college. And I went down there for a week and then I was really moved they have so many different things, um, different arms. They have, uh, you know, they have a like a, a group or like a project that specifically is built on rehabilitating, you know, underage survivors who are like in the safe house and they rehab them. And then there's like a transition home for the girls who grow old enough and they're like learning trade skills and everything to be reintegrated. Then over the years they've grown. And so they have an education arm that goes to the schools and especially like more poverty impacted areas. And they teach them about what pimps and madams will use to recruit and how to avoid that. Right. And, and they even have a project Mm -hmm. that is in the red light district. It's like a community center and they cook like hot meals. And so like they just welcome like the girls to come in and just be safe for a second, you know, and just relax. And they also have a project that goes out and talks to John's who are, you know, trying to solicit or I don't actually I don't know if that's the right word of solicit, but they're trying to buy sex. Right? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Um, and so it's an awesome, awesome organization. They are connected to another organization called twenty seven million, which um, Ooh, also okay. tries its best to network and connect a whole bunch of um, anti-human trafficking organizations. They recently garnered a lot of media attention um, with their Nadie Nace Macho campaign, which stands for No One Is Born Macho. So in Mexico City, um, toxic masculinity or misogyny is muchísimo and so they mm. you know created like a little like short film little bit and that thing went viral and was picked up by like aero mexico wow. like it was like picked up by theaters and like facebook wow. mexico like was talking to them and stuff so they're an awesome organization i would check them out if you're looking for you know tax season's coming and looking for some <laughs> contributions be sure to hit Hell el yeah. de vida you better um, hit them up they are an awesome awesome organization i went back um, in 2019. And I was there for two weeks and I was teaching some like intro to business principles classes to some of the girls. And um, one of the current goals I have is to go back there for like a longer stint, maybe six months and just, you know, just kind of get my hands dirty and see like how I can help, you know, what stories need to be told and like, you know, and just like, you know, just, just, just hang out and just be there. Um, but yeah, that, um, that first instance, when I went down there, that was really, a wake-up call as well you know I, i've talked about wake-up calls and turning points this whole thing but that was one of yeah. them when when yep. when i walked into that safe house and i'm looking around and i'm like wow my sister is as is is is, is, is older than yeah you know, i have a sister who is eight years younger than me and i was 21 oh, wow. right and and so you know we're yeah. talking about like you're looking around and it's like eight-year-olds nine-year-olds right, exactly. and they're survivors Right. I and know. so that does a number on you. And, and, mm-hmm. but the guilt's not enough, you know, um, because a lot of mm-hmm. us, we have a reason why we run to mm-hmm. our coping mechanisms. And that's why I recommend therapy. Right. You got an internal process. You got to figure out why it is so that you can start right. to, you know, have those positive coping mechanisms, but crazy, crazy, incredible, amazing work. I love them.
1: Um, Thanks. That is yeah. great. Thank you for that. <laughs> I definitely didn't want to forget that. Absolutely not. <laughs> Thank you for reminding and me. <laughs> yeah, of course. And without, you know, you kind of highlighting all of this and gracing me with this knowledge, I wouldn't be who I am if I didn't ask, what are you Currently working on, or that we can support you, or what are your goals for your filmmaking or storytelling? Yeah. I'd love to know about that. So
0: um, <laughs> I appreciate you asking. Like, that's I, I am flattered. Mm-hmm. And um, so currently, um, I have been not working on specific film projects. Um, I have not too much experience. I've recently been getting more editing experience, and I took some classes in high school, Great. and so I've been revisiting, but Um, as because of blogging, I've been working on writing narratives, you know, and and communicating better. And um, I've always loved film. So ideally, the goal is um, right now, my one of my short term goals is to move to Mexico City for like, I think the visa expires after 180 days. So I'd have to do stints of like six months. And right now, it's kind of like juggling and figuring out, okay, can I work remotely? How is this going to work? And so but I'm like, basically 85% sure that it's going to happen within the next year or so. That's yeah. amazing. And because, because I think like, just like learning oh language, right? You got to be immersed. Yeah. And for mm-hmm. me in the past, I think there was this huge guilt because I was like, I struggle with pornography consumption mm-hmm. at an unhealthy level. I don't mm-hmm. think this is, even though I really want to go, I just don't know, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. I had debt and everything. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I don't think I can go. And then COVID happened and I switched jobs and, you know, we're, we're recovering, we're doing stuff. And then all of a sudden now it's like, Mm -hmm. okay, we don't have debt. You know, we're not consuming (laughs) like this crazy maniac Mm -hmm. anymore. Like, oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, the stars are, you know, we're coming into play, you know, the divines in play here, you know? So um, right now I think my goal is there because I think I really believe in the power of film and media and, you know, they say brevity is the spice of life. And I think two minute, five minute, Short stories is really, you know, fight the new drug. Like they, they did that too, where yes. they do like these short, short yes. interviews, and it's like yes. you can be so encouraged from that. And so I want to share some of those stories. I want to, um, yes. and, and it's not to, you know, sometimes I think it could be really easy to like sensationalize and dramatize a story mm-hmm. and just use mm-hmm. it for clout mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I think for mm-hmm. me, really, what I want to do is I just want to raise awareness. And obviously, there's going to be yes. consent involved here, like. Do you want to yes, share your story? Absolutely. Are you comfortable with that? Absolutely. Is this something that you want to share, or if not, that's okay. Like you know, absolutely. because dude, like we gotta,
1: you know, there's work to be there, done. It has to get out there. <laughs> yeah. There is, there is work. There, that's the that's the amazing part of like, um, Clubhouse yeah. too. Because I was in a room and they were just. It was. A, I don't. I think I tried to ping you, but you weren't ah. on. And the title was creatives. Um, What are you struggling Mm. with? And there was an amazing woman who's a filmmaker and she, and I went on there and I was just telling them a little bit about, you know, when I was in reality TV, unscripted (laughs) stuff and like I got recruited, blah, blah. blah. So now I'm just struggling because I want to tell these survivor stories. Mm. And it's not right now it's in my podcast, but I know that there's so much more um, because I'm tired of seeing like movies like taken and blah, blah, blah. And she's just like, Victoria, like hit me up. Like, Right now, she's starting this new thing with um, courtroom sort of not like courtroom confessions, uh-huh. but like she's she's going to try to focus on the victims in the courtroom because that's a voice that's not often Agreed. heard. But she's been doing this for so long that she can see people's motivations dying out yeah. or they're still trying to search for what will motivate yeah. them. And it was just a good space yeah. to learn that there are people like yourself who want to do this the right yeah. way that sometimes it is those shorts or the long films or the documentary. Like I, my goal is like how they did that shit with like Jeffrey Epstein and R. Kelly and Bill Cosby. I want to have something like that for the adults who survived trafficking when they were teenagers because people still, don't believe that it's happening to these teenagers and the survivors that I've worked with are all telling me that no one was there for them. No one believed them. And no one was like, Hey, why is this random freaking guy Mm. with you? You know? And like, he's a whole pimp, like, you know what I mean? So like, I just want that platform. So what you're doing, yes, it's very needed. Mm. It's, you know, it's something that I feel like, is why I, I feel so comfortable with you. Like, I knew it. Once you said storytelling and like shorts and like film, I was like, I wonder what what area. And then you said you're going to Mexico City. Yeah. And I was just like, I think I know what he's going to do.
0: <laughs> yeah. You're going to do it. Yeah. It's
1: going to be great. I'm excited. Don't ever lose that. And I'm excited to just have been able to connect with you, Paul. Like, this has been an amazing 90 minutes. No, no. Thank you and so much. we have to set up something. Yeah else because the conversations they need to continue i need to have you on so we can truly attack the the journey that entails the spiritual religious sort of area i i don't feel comfortable but i think you would about the cults and like i just i just need you (laughs) dude i am I need you in this movement, and it can be whatever you wanted to call anti porn, anti trafficking. You are the male person of color that I've been looking for. No, I, like I so, said,
0: tell your friend that. <laughs> like I said, I'm honored. Um, I'd, I'd love to have conversations about that. I think I just have like a just an interesting take. I mean, it's such a contentious relationship with faith and everything, but you know, it's been a journey. And like, I've had to separate like God from people. And that's been hard, mm-hmm. you know, because you're raised mm-hmm. in like the mm-hmm. institution. So um, yeah, uh, thank you so much for having me. I am honored. Yes. I'm so glad, like I said. You know, this is my first podcast. You never forget the first, right? And you know, it was it was great. Like we I feel like it was good, you know, we we flowed and so yes,
1: thank you. I, I appreciate you so much, Paul. And again, any kind of financial support that we can help with a little that we do, we do want to do that. So I'll be looking out for you on Instagram. Oh, no, thank you. And you have we have each other's phone yeah. numbers. So whatever's in the yeah. works, I think we just just can continue to communicate. Yeah, sure. The last thing I do want to say selfishly mm-hmm. is that I would love to do a clubhouse room let's with you it. if you are yeah. willing. I I let's let's talk, let's text back and forth on for the topics, sure. but you have a really good voice. <laughs> thank so, you. You are are, uh are you really <laughs> supposed to be behind the scenes with this writing shit like i don't think so i i i i don't think so no, i appreciate
0: it you are your eq is off the charts i i've never felt so affirmed my whole life so boom. You
1: know? hey, boom. that's 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 who i am you know that's who i am and i thank you for like just noticing yeah, that no with me, i appreciate so. that
0: um you just let me know i work nine to five right yeah. now and so okay anytime basically okay. after that i i'm down mm-hmm. on weekends i'm pretty down to so you just let me okay. know. I'd love to hop okay. in there. Um yeah. Okay. Minorities perfect. represent. I'd love you know
1: what that. I'm yes, please. <laughs> yes, please. All right.
0: All right Paul. Take it easy. Well,
1: I love awesome. you. You're love like you like too. my brother. Yeah. I don't even know where you've been all my life. <laughs> hey, but, better um... late than never, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. You right, you right. Well, I hope to talk to right, you soon then. All right, we'll holler bye. <laughs> Hey, it's Victoria. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Unseen, the Trafficked Truth Podcast. Thank you for being a part of hearing and listening to voices that were often unheard, underrepresented, and feeling as though their stories weren't seen, heard, or believed And I hope that you stay tuned for another episode as we will bring you weekly episodes released on Fridays of survival stories, controversial conversations, and coverage of stories that never really make it to headlines. And if you haven't yet, check out season one. All right, check y'all back for next Friday, Unseen the Traffic Truth Podcast.